morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Steve Williamson here. Uh, welcome to Democratic Perspective. Sitting across from me is co-host Karen <laughs> McClellan. And I think we have a really good um, show for you today. Exciting show, interesting show, informative show. But first, <laughs> we have to ask for money. <laughs> um, we're going to, you know, uh, like NPR, we're going to hit you up for uh, money. So uh, Democratic Perspective been on the sh- air will be 11 years in April. Uh, but it's been because of COVID three years since we've been able to have an in-person fundraiser. And also our, our two of our largest individuals who, uh, donors, um, passed away this last year. And so we really need your support. Uh, go on our website. There's a little button there that you can press on that will, uh, allow you to donate money. And because we're like liberals, it's a little button rather than a big button. You know, I keep having one spread across the whole page demanding money before you can look at the website. But we don't do that. So, anyway, thank you for your support. We want to thank uh, Democrats of the Red Rocks. Always been a supporter for, for years and years for the Yavapai County Party. And... Um, also for uh, El Portal, Steve Segner's hotel, wonderful boutique hotel. Um, Nick, what's what's going on in uh, in in the uh, uh, door next? Um, I should say that uh, Mick Jordell's with us, and he's the chairman of the film club for for Door. Actually, I'm the co-host. Co-host. Uh, for the, All right. We have the Door Political Film Club. And uh-huh. Coming up uh, this Friday, we are going to discuss uh, the Lena Vertmuller film, Swept Away, yeah. which yeah. is a really interesting it, film. Talk about you know feminism, Marxism, the clash between the two and uh, uh, of two castaways. Uh, so so that's really something to be able to really check out. It'll be on, uh, online, right? Yeah, you watch the film beforehand, and then we get together um, in a Zoom chat at 5 p.m. on this Friday. So, okay, and we want to uh, again thank the Yavapai County Party, and and um, we don't get a, enough connection with the folks on the other side of the mountain. Uh, Karen, yeah, one thing with the Democrats, the Red Rocks, also this. Thursday, February 17th is our monthly Zoom breakfast at home meeting at 10 a.m. And it's one that's really important to tune in. Um, we have three people running as Democrats in our new state legislative district, which includes those of us in the Verde Valley back in with the rest of the Yavapai County and Prescott area. And the three candidates for state legislature will be on that Zoom call. So, And, and since we cannot sign their petitions online due to the redistricting, aspect it's you know computer glitch that they you know knew was going to be happening um you need to come and sign their petitions in person so if you come by our door office on 105 roadrunner drive any tuesday thursday or saturday between 11 and 3 you can sign their petitions and you can also make the five dollar donation so they get their clean elections funds so if you go to our website democrats of the red rocks there's all that information there but do tune in for the breakfast these are three really good candidates 
and it's a, a now we're in an even more Republican district than we've been for the last decade. So it's really important for the Democrats to be able to get their message out in Yavapai County. I want to introduce uh, Mick Jordell. Uh, Mick's been on the show, I don't know, three, four times, haven't you, Mick? Two, I think. Two yeah, times. So, yeah, before, and uh, yeah. we did discuss the, the issue that we're going to be discussing this new film uh, before when, when Mick was first engaged in the lawsuit. And we have on um, the telephone um, Sahad Baba from D.C. Are you there, Sahad? That is right. It's such a pleasure to be here with you, Steve and Karen and Mick. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm glad I pronounced your name correctly, or at least got <laughs> close to it. Mick warned me uh, before the show. All right, you guys have a new film out. Mick is in it as one of the people who was engaged in a lawsuit, and you're a producer. film's called Boycott. It's showing around at all the film festivals and stuff. It's going to be showing here in um, Sedona soon. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to make the film and what it's about. What's the focus of it? Sure. So I'm the producer of Boycott. I'm also the executive director of Just Vision, um, which is the organization um, that my team uh, housed Boycott out of. We're a team of journalists, of filmmakers, of human rights advocates, and we're Palestinian, Israeli, and North and South American. We've been working to fill a media gap on Israel-Palestine um, through storytelling now for over 18 years. Wow. Um, we've, done, we've done this with a particular interest in the grassroots, um, specifically those who are working to um, for a rights-respecting, free, and equal future for all in the region. Um, and we've always been interested in the role of voices of dissent, the courageous people who are standing up for change um, in, in spite of incredible odds. Um, when we saw that there were laws being passed across the United States that were aiming to suppress the ability of Americans to express their political uh, dissatisfaction with Israeli policies towards Palestinians, um, and that Americans, like Mick, were being asked to sign a pledge that they would not engage in boycotts of Israel if they wanted to maintain public contracts with the state. We knew it was a really important story to follow. And so um, as soon as individuals like Esther Kuntz and Bahia Amawi um, Alan Leverett, and of course Mick, who I'm so glad is here with us today to tell us more directly about his story. When they decided to sue their states, we knew that we needed to follow that storyline and bring it to light for ordinary Americans. So boycott traces the anti-boycott bills um, that have now taken root in more than 30 states in America. Amazing. Um, and we do that through the lens of the plaintiffs um, who have launched uh, legal battles to challenge the states um, around these laws uh, for breaching um, their constitutional rights to free speech and the First Amendment. Um, we also, um, in that story, really ask the question, how did these laws come into being? How did they spread so rapidly across this country um, with no one looking? There was almost no, you're, you're correct there, there was almost no... Um Sign of this of this going on of this of the boycott movement of using the government to suppress um, uh, supporters of the boycott. I wouldn't have known about it except that we interviewed Mick what a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Mick Jordell's a, a, a 
well-known local attorney, does a lot of civil rights legislation, worked as a prosecutor and a public defender, has has a lot of trial experience. And so a couple of years ago, uh, Mick approached us and told us that what what was going on. Otherwise, frankly, I wouldn't have known about it. Tell us a little bit, Mick, then how you got involved in in this. But let's sure. first explain that. Uh, Sahad, explain what BDS is. What is the boycott, dis- divestment, and sanction movement? What is that? Sure. In 2005, um, Palestinian Civil Society launched a campaign calling for the boycott, divestment, and sanctions of Israel until Israel complies with international law and the universal principles of human rights. So around the world, um, it's become known as BDS. It's gained momentum. You have um, individuals, companies, organizations, churches um, who have been um, involved in either choosing to use their personal purchasing power to express their political views, again, or dissatisfaction with the state of Israel for its human rights violations, um, or companies and churches who have said, look, we're not going to be investing in companies that uh, uphold the occupation or the military occupation um, of Palestinians. Um, in, in the United States and, and around the world, again, that, that movement has been gaining momentum. And in response, you have seen the state of Israel, the Israeli government, together with lobbyists who have been using multiple strategies um, to silence and squash the movement. Um, so in the United States, one of the strategies or tactics that were utilized and have been utilized are these anti-boycott bills that we've made reference to, um, or the anti-BDS bills, which they're also often called, whereby um, individuals and companies and or companies are being punished um, if they refuse to sign pledges where um, they certify that they do not engage in boycotts of the state of Israel. I must say the uh, the anti BDS uh, activities and the rhetoric and uh, bias is probably one of the most extreme areas I've seen in American politics. The ferocious attack by the Israeli government, segments of the American population against a, a nonviolent movement is kind of astonishing. But let me go to Mick and ask him how he got involved. What set you off? Because I know you do this kind of good-hearted <laughs> stuff, but... Yeah, well, it was back probably in late 2016. I was uh, asked to recertify a contract I had advising inmates at the Coconino County Jail up in Flagstaff. And uh, I, uh, they contacted me and said, oh, by the way, there's this addendum we need you to sign. And so I took a look at it, and I was stunned. You know, it said basically here I had to swear an oath to a foreign country uh, <laughs> that I would not boycott in the Israel context. And they defined Israel as all territories controlled by Israel. So it was like one of the largest verbal land grabs I've ever seen. Right. You know, they, they said that included the West Bank. And, and, you know, I come from a pretty strong Lutheran background, you know, and the Lutheran church, you know, basically is saying, no, you know, to avoid those Israeli settlement products. Uh, and, uh, you know, also I had been to the Middle East a couple of times. My father uh, was a Lutheran theologian, and, and uh, 
they lived for a year on the West Bank, just outside of Jerusalem and, and Bethlehem. And I was there as a college student, uh, and what I saw very much troubled me. You see a, a population under military occupation, you know, and you see the daily degradations that are going on there. I went back 40 years later. This is like right after I got this addendum. I, I was already planning on, on going to uh, Palestine, Israel. Uh, with my son, who who I raised Jewish, I was uh, married to his mother. Uh, we split up about 25 years ago, and I promised him after his bar mitzvah we would go there. And uh, we went all over the place uh, on the West Bank in Israel. Uh, you know, met wonderful people, talked to human rights advocates. Um, if anything, the situation was much much worse, and we could see that the occupation of the West Bank had become permanent. You know, there there is, you know, in, in my conclusion, there is no hope to a two-state solution. You know, one does not, a country does not invest billions of dollars of infrastructure, 140 legal, uh, what they call legal settlements, and then another 100 unauthorized settlements all throughout the West Bank. I mean, a two-state solution just isn't going to happen. Um, and so the question remains is, you know, what about human rights? What about equality? You know, what, what is the future for these two people that are deserving of security, peace, and equality? And so there's, there's just two routes. This one is continue down the, plood, uh, the road of discrimination, oppression of millions and millions of people. We're talking about human beings. Or become democratic and inclusive and have equal rights. So in any case, I, I delayed in signing this contract addendum forever. Finally, they said, hey, Mick, you know, we, we need to get your addendum back. And then uh, I had been in touch with the ACLU. Um, they were basically saying, well, we were waiting for your call. Um, and uh, had a wonderful attorney out of uh, New York City, uh, Brian House, who represented me. We filed suit. And there was a lot of uh, back and forth in terms of, um, you know, pleadings and motions. And I had to sit through a five-hour deposition by the attorney general who, you know. So they were asking you to, to swear on to a particular political position that a foreign country said it had. And yeah. to legitimize the occupation of the, the West Bank essentially as a permanent uh, facts on the ground. Well, it, it didn't say anything about permanent, non-permanent. What it said is you certified that during the period of your contract, you would not, uh, what they call boycott Israel as they defined it. So I said, no, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not going to sign that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to support companies with this. We're talking about my own money. You know, it's like if I want to gather together with people and boycott Walmart or, or Chicken McNuggets, um, that's up to me, but I sure as hell am not going to give away my constitutional right to a foreign government. I don't care if it's, you know, Great Britain, Angolia, Israel, anybody. That That's just unconstitutional. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. And what strikes me, Mick, is the astonishing level of, um, of willingness to do this. Hutzpah and Neil Edishton. I mean, I mean, it's really outrageous that they would have force you into a political position and tell you how you could spend your money and what you could say. But, yeah, and but they did it. Particularly when you're a contract advising inmates in a county jail or something. <laughs> you're, you know, it's a non-political state contract. And this, of course, would apply, the, you know, it's sort of the 
the absurd point to a company that wants to provide janitors to clean the state office buildings has to swear because it has nothing whatsoever to do with your qualifications for having a contract with the state government. Right. And and yeah. the original bill, and it got modified after our lawsuit uh, was winning, actually. Um, but the original bill was regardless of the amount of the contract. It was regardless of the number of employees you might have. And so it would apply to, you know, a part-time dog catcher in Fredonia, you know, hired by the city. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that dog catcher would, uh, you know, open this contract and say, what the hell does this have to do with, with dogs? You know, <laughs> what you know, what on earth? And, uh, you know, for me is like, if I can't stand up for myself, I certainly can't stand up for inmate civil rights. So, I mean, at a certain point, you got to say, no, you know, I'm, our constitutional rights aren't for sale for, uh for anybody. And I think, you know, we should ask uh, Sahad here too, but in the in the film it's really interesting cuz uh, the film digs into where is the funding coming for this. And they, they had a wonderful Israeli researcher. Sahad, do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. And and this is, you know, this question of how did something so um un- unconstitutional take root so quickly in this country um across again more than 30 states. Um, was one of the key questions that me and my team asked um, in the making of boycott. Um, and what we learned was that in addition to the traditional um, Israel lobby, um, there have been several interest groups that have played a significant role in the passage of these bills. Um, one is a growing fundamentalist base um, of, of, of folks who identify as Christian evangelicals, who take a literal reading of the Bible, um, who have rallied around the state of Israel um, with the desire of, you know, and the, the, the interpretation that the, the modern state of Israel um, is biblical Israel and therefore um, really kind of uh, uh, reads into uh, the biblical, biblical, the Bible literally, um, together with uh, ALEC or the American Legislative Exchange Council which um, has identified itself as a pro-business organization um, that has a mode of operating where they pass cookie-cutter bills um, across the country. So they've been behind things like stand-your-ground laws. They were also the key engine, um, a key engine, in pushing um, the anti-boycott bills across the country. And what we, we also learned was that um, these efforts um, of ALEC, of KUFI, um, of the traditional lobbying groups behind the state of Israel um, were unsurprisingly um, being pushed by the Israeli government, where you have even former Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, very publicly embracing um, on Twitter and his social media uh, that that they've been behind these efforts. Um, And so, um, for example, in our film, um, we we look at the role of um, an Israeli government ministry called the Ministry of Strategic Affairs. Um, that um, plays a role in, in funneling funds to the two organizations in the United States um, through a nonprofit entity that they call Concert um, to get that those funds over to the U.S. So, um, so it is something to be to really be paying attention to in terms of the interest groups and the governments involved. So, the, a foreign government, uh, whether you're pro-Israeli, anti-Israeli, or neutral about it, is is actually behind a lot of the funding of this. I, I've seen the rhetoric against the BDS 
and I, it continues to just surprise me because it's a nonviolent movement. I mean, you can support it or be against it. We've had people on the show who are, take both sides of that. But the level of venom and the hysteria about about a movement that's that's essentially nonviolent, that's replacing nonviolence with violence as much as it can, it just continues to astonishing me, astonish me, and it is it is really funded and orchestrated probably out of Israel, right? If we're going to be straight about it. And and one of the things Steve, that I would you know that I would encourage us to, to pay attention to is that you know movements um, that have it you know utilized and embraced tactics like boycott, divestment, and sanctions. They're not that. This is not new. We've seen it across time and history, and we have such a rich tradition here in the United States, um, you know, dating back to the founding mythology of this country through the U.S. civil rights movement. And when you look around the globe to apartheid South Africa and beyond, um, where movements for rights and dignity for social change um, have utilized boycotts as a means of expressing, again, political dissatisfaction, political dissent with our governments. Um, for policies that are in, in place. Um, but the other thing to really be paying attention to is that this is um, a real attack on voices of dissent and our rights to protest across the board. Um, this isn't just about Israel-Palestine. In, in recent months and in the last year in particular, um, several states, um, including Texas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Indiana, and beyond, have introduced or passed bills that um, punish companies for uh, boycotting uh, the fossil fuels industry as well as uh, the weapons and ammunitions industries. Um, You've already seen these bills pass in places like Texas, um, and they went into effect actually on September 1 of 2021 in Texas. Essentially what they're saying is that the years and in some cases decades of organizing where communities um, who have stood up to say, look, we really care about what's happening with our environment. Um, we want a, a safe world for our children and the next generation. Um, we really care about what's happening in our schools, and we want our children to be able to go to school knowing that they're going to be safe and they'll be able to come home to us safely. Um, those, those communities who have been doing that hard work, these laws are an affront to them. Um, these laws are saying, look, uh, we want to silence those decades of work. Yeah, and, the, um, and, and so at the end of the day, this is about silencing political activism. Yeah, and, and yes, doing this as a way by attacking people who need jobs. You know, it's not, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's specific people. And every, in most states, you know, millions of people have worked for companies that hold state contracts. In places like Arizona that believe in outsourcing things and privatizing the state of Arizona there's lots of services that the state of Arizona doesn't provide and you know like I said people cleaning your office buildings in the state are probably not employees of the state they're employees of a commercial cleaning company Mm -hmm. so in lots of places in the states you've mentioned all have this similar idea that outs that the government should outsource a lot of its its duties to outside companies so this is a a way where they would not be able to say if you apply for a job and you're paid by the state of arizona and somebody said well we're only going to give you the job if you're a democrat or a republican that would never happen that would get thrown out of court you know instantly so this is sort of a backdoor way 
mm-hmm. to do the same thing. And we know in Arizona, you mentioned Alec, the Arizona Legislative uh, American Legislative Exchange Council, and they produce a lot of legislation. And most of our Republican legislators belong to that organization. They they go and they automatically rubber stamp legislation without even reading it. You know, when it comes mm-hmm. to Alex, some state, I've forgotten, actually introduced a bill where the text of the bill that went out on their website sort of said, insert state name here, <laughs> because they... they <laughs> One yeah, of the bills introduced here yes. in Arizona actually had Alex's name on it. Yeah. They, first, they hadn't erased really? it. Yeah. Put on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the, yeah. the, um, yeah, in yeah. uh, a lot of this movement is was inspired by what happened with South Africa. I mean, right. we boycotted grapes back in the mm-hmm. 60s because of the horrible farm workers, treatment yeah. of farm workers. That is a little different issue, but we but people did boycott South Africa because of their treatment of mm-hmm. uh, minorities there, and I, it seems to me that this is uh, very similar to that boycott m- movement, which uh, I think I remember President Obama was a supporter of of, of, of the boycott movement against South Africa. Yeah, I think uh, so many of us were. I mean, I was in college. I, I think I even got reprimanded in a um, – there was a group of us at Oberlin College that disrupted a trustees meeting, and there were a 100 of us, and we got a letter in our file for six months, and they took it out. And um, But, yeah, and, and now what you're seeing as well is uh, you're probably all aware of the Amnesty International report that just came out a couple of weeks ago that – uh, and also the Human Rights Report and um, also B'Tselem, which is Israel's uh, most revered human rights organization. All three have said Israel is slipping into apartheid. And apartheid is a definition uh, in the Rome Convention. It's, it's uh, also an international criminal court uh, matter as well. It's outlawed. There, it's, it's codified. It's, it's not just necessarily cookie cutter from South Africa, but it's a very similar uh, thing it's it's uh, and and uh, I mean a, th- a thing to understand here is there's a multiplicity of viewpoints on when it comes to Israel even among the Jewish community there are millions that that say wait a minute Israel doesn't speak for me uh, I don't agree with some of these things but uh, that also uh, you know laws like this offend those rights as well I do want to want to say that we've been winning in the courts uh, wherever. Uh, uh, these boycott bills have been challenged. There have been some seven, eight, nine, ten challenges, and there have been, I believe, seven uh, preliminary injunctions issued against these bills saying that these are unconstitutional. So these legislatures know that this stuff is unconstitutional. So what do they do? They make an end run, and, and they say, well, okay, uh, like in my case, uh, we got a wonderful injunction uh, issued by the federal court saying that th- this is likely unconstitutional. Statewide, you can't enforce this. Um, it was great. The state uh, appealed to the Ninth Circuit, and during that time, the legislature modified uh, the law, making it only applicable to companies with 10 or more employees and to contracts of 100000 or more. Uh, the contract in question for me was about, I don't know, $26,000. So it mooted out my case. They've done that in every single state. Uh, clever, 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 clever. Well, it, it's, it's, it's clever, but it's incredibly cynical, and of they course. know it's unconstitutional. No, I, it, yeah. it's yeah. so out unconstitutional that, I mean, as we sit here, I mean, it. Yeah. Uh, but that has not stopped. I, I'm frankly... Uh, from the the far right and the right and in the United States from from doing unconstitutional stuff they've done it 
all along. They never they never had a law or they didn't have a law in any kind of recent time that said African Americans can't vote. It was Jim Crow. There was a back right. door. They never went at it directly, Mick. So it sounds like exactly the same thing here. So then that took you out of the case because you could no longer be a plaintiff because it didn't apply to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was looking forward to going to the argument in uh, San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and damn, I'm you know all, have, all dressed up, ready to go. And they, uh, yeah. some of the information you got, you've got was a Texas company that it does apply to now, who's becoming yeah. a plaintiff. So there are now some bigger companies where the laws apply who are continuing the fight. Because they're still applicable, still applicable to them. Right. I was just on a That's show. Right. I think I think you yeah. participated in in that, or you you listened to yeah. it. I was on a show out of Minnesota, and we had the 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 plaintiff in Texas. There were three plaintiffs that won their cases, preliminary injunctions, but they all got mooted out. And finally, we had a man, a Palestinian American, who's an engineer, who said, "I'm I'm not signing this," and he just won his injunction. So we'll see what happens. And that's what this film is about. Also- and it's also really important to know and to take note for audiences who are listening um, that these cases are playing out in the courts right now, and we have some high-stakes cases moving, um, including Alan Leverett, who is the publisher of the Arkansas Times. He's featured in the film Boycott. Um, he is current, His case is currently under review at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, and um, it has the potential to, to go up to the Supreme Court. And part of the reason that we created Boycott was, you know, going back to the top of the show, was a recognition that these laws are passing in state legislatures um, with little to no public scrutiny. So one of the things that we want to do is make sure that people are are watching the film Boycott. They're starting to uh, really understand what are the issues at play. Um, Steve, you were talking about the political football around things like BDS and so on and so forth. Um, this film is really about bringing it down to the ground level. Let's look at what these bills actually mean for American civil liberties and rights. Let's look at what, why there are individuals like Mick who choose to boycott um, uh, companies that are, are uh, holding up the occupation against Palestinians. Um, let's actually look at what this means on a very human level. Um, and, and the reason that this is important right now is because we are in the midst of one of the most consequential First Amendment battles this country has seen in decades. Um, and the only way that it changes, um, you talked about how we just don't know what's going to happen in the courts. Um, we're living in a time where people have to stand up. We have to really um, equip ourselves with information that we need to know and, and call for change and make sure that we're holding our courts and our political leaders to account um, because that's that's our that's that's one of the fundamental and most the, the most fundamental American uh, rights that we have, and, and so let's let's make sure that we use our voices on this. Um, I hope uh, for the people who are listening, if you're curious about the film, do join us this weekend. Um, we are going to be at the Sedona International Film Festival on Sunday, February 20th at at 1:10 p.m. We're also going to be showing again on Wednesday, February 23rd at 4 p.m. Um, you can check out the Sedona International Film Festival website for tickets. And these are going to be shown in the larger Harkness Theater, which I think is... And Harkins on Harkins. Sunday, Harkins. yeah. It's Mary Fisher on I Monday. know the Sunday performance, Mick, will be discussing the film. Are you going to be there on, on the Sunday performance? 
Yes, Sahad and, and I will be there. And also we have uh, uh, Darrell Hill, who is the policy director of the Arizona ACLU, so will after, be there. So after the, the film, there will be a, a Q&Answer session. So if you come, you'll have a chance to talk directly to some of the people featured in the film and involved in producing it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And you can talk to both of our guests about why they're doing what they're doing. Um, um, and 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 where they think this is going to go, because when you look at it, it's hard to see a level of, you know, anti-free speech stuff that is possible. Because anybody who has government contract, even if they don't know what's going to happen, what happens is that that these things, these kind of laws discourage free speech mm-hmm. even when they're not applied and even when people just sign it and go ahead, which you could get in legal trouble for. But the thing is that they're aimed to discourage free speech and free discussion. And I, I, whether you support the BDS movement, find out more about it. Very hard to get objective information. I went and looked at Wikipedia, which I had looked at years ago about it, and it, it it's extremely biased, it's, it, the way it's structured. And I don't know whether it will be visible to most people, but it's, the objection is next to the, whatever they're doing. Uh, hard to get good information. I, I recommend going to the film, folks, if you're in Sedona. Um, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Mick, you've, you've, this is not your first you know, ball game here. You know? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think... This type of bill, I mean, this is the first that I had known about uh, a law that basically tied independent contracts to preferred political speech, you know, clever. Uh, but now it's it's getting everywhere, you know, whether it's fossil fuels, there's no limit to to the Republican laundry list. Now, look at it the other way. What about in Massachusetts? Uh, you know, perhaps they could uh, pass a bill. Um, saying contractors could not boycott Planned Parenthood. You know, it goes it goes both ways. I don't see it coming out of the Democrats, but I definitely see it coming out of the Republicans. And it's the slide into the more authoritarian state. It's it's a general trend here. Karen, what's your yeah. take on it? You've it, been following it. It's the things, like I said, when I heard about the guns and the fossil fuels. The fossil fuels is Texas, of course, yeah. I believe. Arizona has a bill that would expand this to companies uh, – to, you know, to uh, state contractors not being able to voice things about boycotts of gun manufacturers. And we've seen a lot of movement in a lot of places to die for push pressures on universities, on that sort of things, to divest from investments in gun manufacturing because of issues of school violence and mm-hmm. all of these things. We've seen this, this to some degree the same desire to create an orthodox political speech that you can only speak like we were all living in, in the USSR in 1976, you know, sort of going back, because we've seen that in talking about curriculum in schools today where you, you know, mm-hmm. they're this trying to limit anything that might be controversial and you only the school only has one point of view it's going to be allowed to express regardless of whether that's a majority view or minority view and again this is one where not everybody may agree with the of uh, the BDS movement regarding Israel but it's still the idea is why should somebody say you can't participate and if you do you can't work for the state it starts yeah. where it the it always starts where things are weakest, mm-hmm. and then it spreads. Yeah. And as as I think you guys make an excellent point, that there's no particular stopping point to this. It can be yeah. guns. It could be uh, abortion rights. It could be a, a lot of different things, and it could just spread. And and 
lead us, even if you sort of supported it in, in the abstract, but it leads to an absolute morass of legislation that's all unconstitutional yeah. the, that'll, the, that'll tie up courts and people. Yeah. For, well, it's the chilling sort of thing that we've all seen, you know, that yeah, depending on how old the listers are. If you heard about the things, you're going back to the blacklist in the 50s in Hollywood. Yeah, are you exactly. now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? And yeah. if you answer yes, you can't work. And yeah. it's going you know, to this sort of idea where there's, again, only one pos- proper point of view, whether it's political or religious or social, right. that if you don't, right. you know. Yeah, our rights, uh, the right to boycott is enshrined in the Supreme Court case of Claiborne v. Uh, NAACP. It was a 1981 decision, unanimous opinion by the U.S. Supreme Court that said uh, the NAACP could organize boycotts of white-owned businesses in Mississippi that that uh, refused to hire blacks and they said that uh, boycott uh, the right to boycott is an essential uh, part of the First Amendment that's going to be at risk you know at, well let's see what the eighth amendment or what the Eighth Circuit does on Allen the journalist's uh, case um, it'll probably go up to the US Supreme Court and they'll be asked to decide does the First Amendment still cover um, boycotts or not, which is collective speech uh, people and what they want to do with their own money. Mm-hmm. So um, it's to me, it's un-American because it's telling you, you know, what you must do with your own money, you know, which is just ridiculous. So. I, I just say go back to my I'm sort of shocked that this is even yeah. happening. But then again, I guess I shouldn't be shocked. Um, so um, more about the film. Uh, you've got three people you're following their cases in the film. Mix one of them. That's right, and 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 um, so Mick is one of them. Uh, we mentioned Alan Leverett, who's the publisher of the Arkansas Times, um, who, um, like Mick and others, uh, received a, a pledge or a contract that required him to pledge that the Arkansas Times does not engage in boycotts of the state of Israel. Um, and, and this was actually in response to him invoicing the local state-funded university to pay for ad space that they had already purchased in his paper. Um, in his case, um, again, he's, he's currently, he, his case is currently being heard by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal, and we expect an opinion to drop any day. Um, we um, are not feeling promised like that, that that opinion is going to be promising in, in Alan's favor, and so... Um, uh, both the ACLU and Allen um, are getting ready um, in the event that they have to go to the Supreme Court. Um, the third character that we follow, um, the third individual, her name is Bahia Amawi. Um, Mick also made reference to her case earlier. She's based out of Texas. Um, she's a speech therapist or a speech pathologist, and she actually works um, with students in public schools. She's one of the only, if not the only, uh, speech therapist who um, offers uh, students who speak both Arabic and English services. Um, and when she chose not to sign the pledge, she was fired from her job. So she similarly with the ACLU launched a lawsuit. Um, she won her case like Mick. Um, uh, the, the judge out of Texas at the federal district court filed an injunction um, on her behalf, and similar to Mick's experience, um, the, the state of Texas went ahead, they amended the law um, in order to ensure that her case um, her case was moot, 
Um, so there is still a law on the books in Texas that applies to companies that have contracts with a state of $100,000 or more. This is where A&R Engineering comes into play. Um, it's the first company to file suit against the state for the law that's still on the books in Texas. Um, we are uh, moving ahead with a, a, a multi-year campaign around the film boycott. We launched the film for its world premiere at Doc NYC in November 2021. It was an incredible packed, sold-out audience of 475 <laughs> folks. It was great. Um, and um, since then, um, we've been building um, out our campaign. We'll be coming to Sedona again this weekend at the Sedona International Film Festival. Um, I'll be hopping on a plane right after that and heading over to Missoula, Montana, for the film's premiere in Montana at Big Sky. Um, my colleague, Julia Basha, will be heading over to London for the Human Rights Watch Film Festival in London for our international premiere. Um, and we'll be heading over to Texas uh, shortly thereafter uh, for the Texas premiere at South by Southwest. Um, so we have a long string of travel coming up as we're touring with this film. We want to make sure a lot of people see it and um, um, start to really gr- be able to grapple with something that's been, you know, happening in the dark. Um, because we believe that when people know about this story, when, when people like us um, really think about what's happening and have the opportunity to be aware of the story, um, it's a no-brainer. You know, we, we all recognize the threat that these laws pose um, to our ability to, to think and, 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 and speak freely, um, to voice political opinion and to, um, organize for the change that we believe we need to see in the world. And so, um, so we're excited to meet you and I hope we meet a lot of you, um, in just about, you know, six days now. Um, we're really excited about the time that we'll be, um, in Arizona and Mick, uh, together with Darrell Hill, um, promises to have a very engaging conversation. Tell us again when this film is showing, uh, Mick or Sahad, and um, at what time it is. I'm, when I was involved in the civil rights movement, we did informal stuff. So we inter- we integrated a uh, a local uh, cafe, and when we five or six of us would arrive with some of our black friends, they would serve us. And then when our black friends would go there by themselves, they wouldn't serve them. Jeez. And the same thing with the movie theater. So when we had a whole bunch of us guys showing up at the movie theater, the black guys were allowed to sit down in the in the main area with us. The minute they tried to go uh, on their own, there were just two of them, or with their girlfriend, they were they were told they had to go and sit in the balcony. So the point I'm making is that these things are really hard to catch. And what I hear uh, Mick saying particularly is that. Uh, that getting a decisive ruling on this so that it gets cleared up, it looks like a long struggle, Nick. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it is because the law keeps changing. The goalposts keep changing. Uh, legislatures keep enacting laws that they know are unconstitutional. And so they're trying to avoid, you know, a definitive ruling. So it keeps changing. Well, we've run out of time. Give us the, the show times. I hope folks will sure. check this film out. Yeah, it's this Sunday, February 20th at 1.10 p.m. at Harkins Theater. It's uh, the Sedona International Film Festival. 
And also it will be a second showing will be held at Mary Fisher Theater on Wednesday, uh, February 23rd at 4 p.m. And, folks, there'll be a discussion, right, Mick, afterwards. So people right. will be able to, if you have doubts about it or if you really like the phone, you'll be able to express your Yeah, opinion. come on and ask questions, you know, uh, pro, con, whatever. If, if you think the government should regulate contracts like this, let us know. <laughs> um, yeah, the panel will only be after this, immediately after the Sunday uh, uh, showing. There will be no panel on the February 23rd. It's a much smaller audience. So. Next week is Cassie Kinsella, and we're going to be doing How to Be a Candidate, hopefully. Karen will join us, too, because she's run for office so many times and always won. <laughs> um, you can see this uh, or listen to this podcast and all our podcasts on our um, website, vvid.org. We have a new Facebook page that we're trying to build up. It's still a work in progress. We have all of our shows available since... Uh, Oh, 2014 or something like that when we were 15 minutes long instead of 45 minutes. You're talking about quick discussions, Mick. I mean, you yeah. know, that was a, that was the time. VVID.org. Check out this podcast. Um, and tell your friends about it. And we would very much appreciate that. Um, Okay, I guess I got to wrap this up. I want to thank Mick and Sahad for being with us. The film's called Boycott. It's showing at the Sedona Film Festival, International Film Festival. A very, very appropriate place for it. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.